Uh, I'm doing a series in my church, uh, just started in uh, Romans chapter 12, which is where um, Paul says, uh, uh, he says, I urge you. So it's kind of like an important thing. I really, really want you to do this. I urge you, uh, brothers and sisters, in view of all that God has done, in view of his mercy, I want you to offer yourself as a living sacrifice, offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And this is true worship. He's saying, I want you to give your life to God to serve him. This is not going to be easy. It's a sacrifice. It can be hard. But I urge you, because of all that God has done, I want you to offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. I think most of my life I have struggled to think that God's will is good and pleasing because I kind of think, do I have to do this? And it's hard. But even harder than that is trying to work out, well, what should I do? What is God's will? When you're sitting, I said to, to Stuart yesterday, so my way of relaxing from church ministry is to go and watch Cambridge United. After an hour and a half of yesterday, you think, was that relaxing? What was the... How... Was it God's will? Should I have been there? How do we know what God's will is? What, and it's good and pleasing, but how do I know what to do? And he gives a load of examples. And um, so my series is called What It Looks Like. What it looks like to say to Jesus. And there's a, he gives a load of things. And I'll I tell you what happened in my church. I preached this whole chapter on the first Sunday of the year because we kind of like were kicking off renewal Sunday we call it and I got so into it I thought I'm going to go back and do it verse by verse for the rest of the year um, so the first verse uh, although I haven't got to the first verse yet maybe if I looked at my notes that would be helpful um, what is good and pleasing uh, how do we know uh, what the pattern of the world is and how do we know um, what his good and pleasing will is uh, I love cartoons, always loved cartoons, and um, I always have a Charlie Brown cartoon when I preach. Uh, well, not always, but a lot. And uh, Charlie Brown uh, says to, to Lucy, she says, are you going to make any New Year's resolutions, Lucy? I don't know whether you made any New Year's resolutions, but I guarantee you've probably broken them already. Uh, and uh, she says, what? For what? What's wrong with me now? I like myself just the way I am. She says, why should I change? What in the world is the matter with you, Charlie Brown? I'm all right the way I am. I don't have to improve. How could I improve? How can I ask you? How I ask you? How? Paul's first thing, he says, by the grace... Given me, I say to everyone, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. Lucy says, I'm perfect. I don't need to make any New Year's resolutions. I am perfect. None of us really identify with that. But this verse is also a bit tricky. Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. We're going to talk about humility. Now, to do that, 
I'm going to read you a story. Wait, the story is called uh, Norman and Sydney, or Sydney and Norman. Uh, hopefully you've never heard this story before. If you have, I hope you enjoy hearing it again. On a quiet street, in a quiet town, lived two pigs. They didn't oink or eat slop. No, this isn't that kind of story. They wore suit, suits and went to work. And even though they lived right next door to each other, they didn't know each other's name. The pig on the right was Norman. He was a very good pig. Rules and hard work had always come easy to him, and it showed. His house was neat and organized, and he always looked his very best. He gave money to the needy, and he never missed church on a Sunday. Norman's teachers liked him when he was young and his boss at work liked him now that he was all grown up. And he was pretty sure that God liked him too. After all, he was a very good pig. Norman figured that everyone could be as good as he was if they just tried a little harder. And he wondered why they didn't. Why didn't they try harder? to get it right. Now the pig on the left was Sydney. Things didn't come easily for Sydney. Rules and systems and schedules, well they felt very slippery. One minute he thought he had them and the next minute they'd all gone wrong. He was forever running 10 minutes late and could never manage no matter how hard he tried to get his tie perfectly straight. No, not like his neighbor. Uh, he couldn't remember his name, but he knew his tie was always straight. Sydney got into trouble at school, which frustrated his teachers. And he got into trouble at work, which frustrated his boss. And he knew God was watching, and he figured that God would be pretty, too, pretty frustrated too. But most of all, Sydney frustrated Sydney. Why could he not get everything right? Why was it all so hard? Why couldn't he be more like uh, the guy next door? Sydney felt broken. And some days, he found it hard to get up in the morning. Couldn't face it. Some days, he didn't get up at all. And since Sydney was usually late and Norman was usually early, they very seldom met each other unless, that is, they happened to fetch their post at the same time, which is exactly what happened one cold, bright morning. Normally, if Sydney saw, if Sydney saw Norman, he would look down and shuffle back inside. He was sure Norman was staring at his tie or his hair or the papers stuffed into his briefcase. He was sure Norman was looking down on him for being messy. And for the most part, that is true. Norman was. But this day, Norman didn't look at Sydney. He didn't look at his tie. And Sydney didn't look away because they were both staring at a small blue envelope they had each received in the post. One was addressed to Norman, and the other was addressed to Sydney. Had someone invited them to the same party? Eager to unravel the mystery, the two pigs opened the envelopes. Norman's read, Dear Norman, 
and Sydney read, Dear, Norm, Dear Sydney, followed by, I'd like to invite you to come to me at 77 Elm Street, Tuesday, at your convenience. I have something to tell you. They both glanced at the bottom of the page and read, Sincerely, God. Sydney and Norman reread the invitations several times to make sure they had read them correctly. God wanted to talk to them on Tuesday on Elm Street. Nightmare. Sydney panicked. Deep in his heart was a familiar feeling, the feeling he had felt when he was a young pig. His teacher had, the feeling he felt when his teacher had sent him to the head teacher's office. Terror, panic, doom. Norman smiled. He too felt a familiar feeling, the feeling he felt when he as a young pig was called into the head teacher's office to receive an award. Anticipation, happiness, pride. Sidney taped the invitation to inside the front of his door where he wouldn't lose it. And Norman entered the date neatly into his date book. Both pigs had trouble sleeping that night for very different reasons. Tuesday came. Norman awoke early, dressed and headed down the street with the pale blue envelope firmly in his hand. Just waking up, Sidney saw him pass by the window and rushed for the shower. Norman walked tall and proud. The others on the street noticed he looked a bit taller, a little bit puffier than usual that morning. His hair was neat, his tie was extraordinarily straight, much straighter than anyone else's on the street. God would certainly, certainly be pleased with Norman. Norman found the address and went inside, greeting the woman at the front door with the important voice, his important voice. She directed him down a long, tall hall through a heavy wooden door and into a large room where he found God sitting behind an enormous, immense desk. The sight made Norman slightly nervous, but then he thought about it. What do I have to be nervous about? I'm a good pig. God walked round the desk and smiled at the puffed-up pig. I'm glad you came. I'm glad you could make it, Norman, he said warmly. I have a few things to tell you. First of all, God began, I love you. Norman smiled, though he, he, he wasn't surprised. Secondly, your goodness is not the reason I love you. Norman startled a little what a curious thing for God to say thirdly God continued you're not as good as you think you are you're prideful you're selfish and you look down on people for whom things don't come as easy as they do for you And God looked a little sad now. And I love those for whom things don't come just as easy as they do for you. As I love them as much as I love you. So don't look down on those I love. And God smiled and returned to his desk. That is what I needed to tell you, Norman. Norman swallowed hard. 
Where was the award? Where was the commendation? Confused, he, he turned and ran down the hall, past the front desk and back into the street. His head was spinning. He felt dizzy. What was God finding fault with him? He was a good pig. He noticed he was, his tie was slightly off straight, off kilter. He turned to straighten it. Not perfect, but at least better than that guy over there in the yellow jacket or the guy in the blue or any of those other people for that matter. And then it hit him. He was looking down on those other people because their ties weren't straight. Right there, right then, just as God had said, he'd done it. He'd done it yesterday. And he'd done it the day before. And he did it 20 times a day at least. Norman's face grew hot. God was right. He was selfish. He was prideful. And for the first time in his life, the good pig had to face the fact that he had been very, very bad. His pride and his goodness was his sin. He buried his face in his hands and he hurried home, tears splashing on his neat grey suit. And from the window, Sidney saw his neighbour return and froze in shock. <gasps> Why was he crying? Sidney couldn't breathe. Oh, my word, oh, my word, what am I going to do? If that's what God does to a good pig, what is he going to do to me? I am doomed. Hands shaking, Sidney tried once more to get his tie to tie just right. Why was it so hard? Where was his hat? Where, what had he done with it? Under, no, hat, found it under the couch, hat in hand. He peeled the pale blue envelope off the door he stepped outside a bird was singing but Sydney didn't hear it the sun shone brightly but Sydney didn't feel it he was doomed he thought doomed Sydney trudged down the sidewalk he was doomed suddenly he was back in school a little pig heading down the long hall toward the, the long hall toward the head teacher's office head hands sweating heart racing he was doomed he will see right through me Sydney thought as he turned into Elm Street what a nightmare my mess my mistakes everything and then he was there he walked as slowly as he could but he was there Sydney stepped inside he tried to do, he tried to say something to the woman at the front desk but he found that he couldn't speak she smiled and motioned him to a heavy wooden door down the hall he gulped a few minutes later he stood before the door he wanted to run away he wanted to hide but there was no place to go there was nowhere to hide so hat in hand he pushed the door open and stepped inside and there behind the desk was God Sydney gulped again. I'm glad you came today, God said, smiling. Sydney tried to respond, but he couldn't make a noise. I want to tell you something, God continued as he came round the desk, smiling. Sydney glanced around him nervously. Maybe if he apologised, maybe if he could just say sorry. First of all, God began, I love you. Sydney startled, he was surprised. Secondly, God said, in a quieter voice, I love you. Sydney was gripping his hat a less tightly now. And thirdly, God paused, whispered very close to Sydney, I love you. The look in God's eyes 
warmed Sydney right down to his toes. That is what I wanted to tell you, God said, as he stepped back behind his desk, still smiling. Sydney stood frozen for a moment, then realizing God had finished, he turned and ran quickly from the room. I don't understand. I don't understand, he said in a loud voice when he reached the street. Didn't he see me? Didn't he see who I am? It didn't make sense. And then it occurred to him. He thought to himself, maybe I fooled him. Sydney looked at the others on the street, smiling. Yes, that must be it. I looked important. I looked good. And he bought it. But then Sydney saw his reflection in the mirror of the window. His hair was rumpled, his tie was not straight as usual, and he was sporting a large toothpaste stain on his jumper. His smile vanished. That couldn't be it. He couldn't have fooled anyone. Sydney was confused. There was only one other possibility. Maybe God loved him. Maybe God loved him because he did mess up and he knew it. Maybe God loved him because he realized how rubbish he was. Mess and all. Sydney felt the warmth he'd seen in God's eyes welling up inside him again. He felt from top to toe warm and special. Others on the street would later talk about the small messy pig they saw that day that appeared to be glowing all the way home sydney looked for the words to tell everyone that he was feeling that he was fa- that he had found what he had found out but there were, and there were tears flowing down his cheeks but they were happy tears and there were lots of them the next day the two pigs emerged from their home on a bright crisp october morning and looked at each other the pig on the left named sydney was a little bit taller than before And he looked at his neighbor's neat, straight tie and clean clothes, and he smiled. And the pig on the right, named Norman, seemed ever so slightly less puffy than before. And he looked at his neighbor's crooked tie and rumpled hair, and he smiled. And it was a real smile, too. The kind that comes from deep inside, the kind that he hadn't smiled for a long, long time. Sydney and Norman became good friends. There were still mornings now and then when Norman would wake up feeling a little puffy, but all he had to do was remember what he'd learned at 77 Elm Street. Then the puffiness would quickly vanish and the real smile would return. And as for Sydney, he still had his share of messes. There were still things that he got wrong, not quite as many as before, and there were still a few days when he wasn't quite sure whether he felt like he'd get up in the morning. But if you stood still outside his window on one of those days, this is what you would hear. First of all, he loves me. Second of all, he loves me. And third of all, he loves me. And that was all it took. And he got out of bed. A disciple of Jesus knows that God loves them. But they respond not by looking down on people, but we respond with kindness for others. We'll probably just about stop there. I'm going to fly through a load of other slides, which don't really need because time's beating us. But that's the deal. 
When Paul says, do not look down on anyone, he's saying, because of God's mercy, because of all that God's done for you, do not look down on anyone else, but respond with kindness. So the word is humility. The problem with Western Christianity is the pattern of the world is self-importance and many, many religious people, churches, Christians, have bought into it that we're better. And the way of Christ is one of recognizing our faults, is one of humility, is one of confession. It is not how we need to be. Not a church that looks down on everybody else. 